Hi everybody, I'm Dustin. I'm Anna. And we are not qualified to investigate the paranormal. And we might be less qualified than... The Generals of the Union Army. I don't even have any response to that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, You might notice that our sound is a little different than what we've been reporting it recently. That is because we are on the road this week. Very happy to actually be taking a vacation. And part of our vacation is us actually recording, continuing to record. However, on the road, on the road. So the worrying that you are hearing is our air conditioning unit, which is so loud uh-huh. where we're at. So apologies for that. We're uh, not going to sweat for y'all. No. Sorry. No. <laughs> we are in a southern state and it is hot. <laughs> hotter than our normal southern state that we're in. And it makes me say y'all. But welcome back. For those of you tuning in for the first time, welcome in. We will do the best we can to uh, mitigate the background noise. But if you are tuning in, we have a really great episode. I'm really excited about this, even though I've had so little prep time. Mm -hmm. But I'm really excited to talk about it. Quick housekeeping. If anybody has any story that they want to hear, it is stories at paranormaloutsiders.com. Please send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We will answer it the best of our ability. Anna, mm-hmm. are you ready to just jump in? I'm in vacation mode. Tell me a story. The first part of the story is called The Witch. <laughs> in the small town of Willowbrook, the forest shrouded a small cabin nestled in the woods on the outskirts of the settlement. Mary, who is believed to be a witch, due to her solitary lifestyle and not for herbal remedies, dwelled within the humble shack. Whispers of her being a practitioner of Wicca and fears of curses kept the locals at arm's length, yet their need for her tinctures drew them in, often with apprehension. I never know if I'm saying that word right. Apprehension? Tinctures. <laughs> apprehension? I think I'm saying that right. Maybe I'm not saying that I right either. I to pick on you. Yeah, no. Tinctures. Tinctures? Tinctures. Tinctures. Here. Tink. Tinctures. Tincture. They, <laughs> they wanted her tinctures. <laughs> Rumors grew darker, however, when young girls from the village started to vanish without a trace. The villagers searched everywhere, even braving the forest to approach Mary's cabin, suspicions heavy in their hearts. Their unease was only heightened when they noted Mary's visage changing from an elderly, haggard woman to a more youthful, feminine creature. Yet, they had no solid evidence, nothing but fear and the chilling change in Mary's appearance. Then came the evening when Sarah, the miller's daughter, heard an eerie noise, captivating and strange. Her mother, who was up in bed nursing a dreadful toothache with one of Mary's herbal tinctures, cried out in fear. The miller was summoned, only to find their daughter walking towards the forest, seemingly entranced by an unforeseen force. A coven of witches. Desperate, they rallied the townsfolk. The town farmer was the first to notice a distant light at the edge of the forest. As they approached, they found Mary standing in a clearing, bathed in an unnatural light. In her hand, she held a wand, pointed towards the miller's home, and Sarah, their precious daughter, was heading straight for that ominous glow. The farmer, with a surge of terror-fueled determination, quickly loaded his gun with silver bullets. Aiming at Mary, he fired a shot and found its mark on her hip. 
Her scream pierced the quiet night, and the villagers subdued her thrashing form, tying her to a stake. The hastily constructed bonfire crackled, the villagers' faces grim and set in determination. The story is just, just got me. I'm Good. Sure. Mary's eyes blazed with fury as the flames licked at her. Curse you all! She spat, her voice ringing out. Speak my name before I hear. In my spirit will come for you. I am so offended. Because she's Irish? <laughs> no, because she sounds terribly scary and witchy. If you, okay, first of all, if you were being burned at the stake, you, you would sound, sound, you would probably, I wouldn't sound good. No. The first thing to actually burn when you're burning alive is your lungs, because uh, most people yeah. inhale the heat. Yeah. Um, don't ask me how I know that. Anyway. Dark. Yeah. Dark. Dumb and dark man. Yes. Welcome okay. to my paranormal podcast of darkness. So the witch was cursing them. Was that what was happening? Curse you all, she spat. Mm-hmm. Speak my name before a mirror. I'll return. My spirit will come for you. Before a mirror? A mirror. A mirror. mirror. <laughs> like, who's a mirror? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought I was like, this is like in uh, uh, Arabia. Yeah, like, this is this some. Speak your name before a mirror. <laughs> you thought that's what like, I was doing? Who's okay. a mirror? <laughs> a mirror. Okay. A mirror. Tincture. Mirror. <laughs> Tincture's a hard word. It is, because there's not like a thing at the end or in the middle that separates the multiple syllables. Yeah. It's teacher. It's not teacher, <laughs> like you would think it would be. I... The dreadful scene ended and the villagers returned home, a grim silence shrouding them. Their fears were confirmed when they discovered rows of unmarked graves upon a thorough search of Mary's cabin. She had been draining life from their innocent children, using their blood to renew her youth. And that's the end of the witch. Uh, I had no idea that this is the origin story of Bloody Mary. Oh, it may or may not be. Okay, you found multiple. Oh, yes. Okay, and you did multiple give me stories. you did give me the clue that we're gonna do Bloody I did. Mary, but I, I didn't said look Bloody up Mary anything because there's yeah. nothing that, as a psychologist, I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Like I just didn't. Right. I was like, let, okay, let me just let this wash over me. Yeah. And I am fascinated because if we're going down the witch route. Oh, I have thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And I know we're talking about witches and we're going to continue to talk about witches and just women in general <laughs> who have power. But that sounded worse than you meant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I am a misogynist. Um, no. We're going to continue to talk about stories very similar to this. And for those of you who are listening, you know what's going on here. Anna does too. We're talking about Bloody Mary. But there are several origin stories here. Uh, actually, there's more than several. I just picked the three most interesting. But some of them are... are You're leading me? Are you leading me? Uh, I wouldn't say leading. I'd say I'm capturing the spirit of what a lot of people think this whole thing's about. So if you were oh. somebody who was, who was just looking this up, you would see these stories and be like, this is the origin. This is where this is from. This is who I'm summoning when I'm doing this this ancient teenage ritual. It, it is. It is a teenage rite of passage. I just, it's the immediate thought for me is like, man, we didn't have Google yeah. when I was doing this. So right. 
I, I can't even put myself in the shoes of a kid who can just look this up. Right. That like immediately ruins the fear factor to me. Yeah. So we have two other stories here. Mm-hmm. Both very interesting. Tell me two more stories. The second story is called The Queen. The eldest daughter of King Henry VIII, Mary's early life was fraught with turmoil. Her mother, Catherine of Aragon, is Aragon? Arag- Aragorn? Aragorn? Not Aragorn. Not Aragorn, that's Lord of the Rings. That's Lord of the Rings. This is a real yeah. thing. Yeah. Aragorn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Catherine of Aragon was put aside by her father in favor of Anne Boleyn in the process sparking the English Reformation and the severance of England's ties with the Catholic Church. That whole relationship between Catherine and Henry is... Yeah, I know. Wow. And I know you've watched like the Tudors yeah. and like you, you've got some opinions about this. We lots of Wikipedia about Henry VIII. Hey, most I'm... of this is taken from Wikipedia. That's okay. <laughs> I think it's fine. I need a good book. If anyone has a good Henry VIII book recommendation, send it. I'm going to talk more about poor Mary here. Uh, yeah, I don't. I know so much less about Mary that I found out while I was uh, this 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 portion is so mm-hmm. short and it really doesn't do her life justice. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit more about how I felt, I guess, more than anything when I well, was research, researching her life. Yeah, well, you're not going to do her justice. That's the whole theme of her life. Right. Nope. There goes the AC. So everybody, welcome to just normal, <laughs> normal human speaking. Okay. Well, we get hot. <laughs> Upon ascending to the throne after the death of her half-brother, Edward VI, like, Roman numerals, they're dumb. Stop mm-hmm. putting Roman numerals in things. Mary was determined to reverse the Reformation and restore Catholicism in England. My people have been led astray, she told her advisors. We must bring them back into the fold of the true church. Man, I'm really bad at doing an English accent tonight. <laughs> Hold on. Now you do sound a little... <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah. Oh, do I? Not the first and not her sister. Like, let them eat cake, right? Yeah, like, that's, that's okay. a little, but um, no, it's a little more Windsor. What? No, no, it's too cockney. <laughs> yeah. I actually have no idea if she, did she speak Spanish? Did she speak No, she spoke Scottish English. Accent? She spoke like the English, English, right? Yeah. My people have been led astray, she told her advisors. We must bring them back to the fold of the true church. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was very like Queen Elizabeth, like a current Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mary's reign became known for the harsh measures she used to reimpose Catholicism. This era was marked by the Marian persecutions. Okay. Where Protestants were condemned as heretics. Yeah. I will not tolerate heresy, she declared. I will root it out no matter the cost. Yeah, that's a very Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. Over the course of her reign, it's estimated that nearly 300 Protestants were burned at the stakes for, stake for heresy. Among them were prominent figures such as Thomas Cranmer, never heard of him, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Canterbury? Cat- Canterbury? Canterbury. Canterbury. Thomas Cranmer was the Archbishop of Canterbury. He sure was. Yeah. Didn't the- he, he would advise people? Okay. I don't know. What does the Archbishop of Cat- Canterbury do? Oh, well, I think Canterbury is one of the oldest churches in England. Okay, well, Protestant he was the Archbishop churches. of it. Yeah, it's so a big deal. It tells you things mm-hmm. about him mm-hmm. in whatever year this was. These acts of brutal religious repression deeply ingrained the moniker Bloody Mary in the popular psyche. Mm. As the burnings increased, so did the fear and resentment amongst her people. 
Why does the queen punish us so? They would ask each other, huddled in the darkness, the glowing of burning stakes flickering in the distance. Her reign, however, was short. Mary died in 1558. That's what year it was. Mm -hmm. Having failed to secure the Catholic succession. Her half-sister, Elizabeth I, ascended the throne and swiftly returned the country to Protestantism. <laughs> Protestantism. You don't have, that's, a, that's right. <laughs> Consigning the era of Bloody Mary to the annals of history. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the second part of the story. Yeah. I did a lot of research on Mary the First's life during this whole, during my research for this story. And it was very hard for her uh, she had what a lot of historians and medical historians have kind of determined to be endometriosis, which means she had problems conceiving uh, a, a child. She had other issues as well. If you have endometriosis or have had it in the past, you know what I'm talking about. Um, obviously, I'm a dude, so I don't have a uterus, so I can't have these kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. But I, I do first, not firsthand, secondhand, I have seen this uh, effect. Um, people who are close to me in my life, and it's it's not an easy thing to to deal with. But also, she was disowned by her father. Uh, there was lots of other things that were going on in her life where she was just, you know, really trying to kind of be uh, the princess that she was brought up to be, but also someone who was trying to be married off at the age of 11 and 12, and then was kind of shunned by her father, uh, who was just kind of a dick. Henry Henry VIII was just kind of a dick. He really she was, was immediately shunned for not having a penis. Right. Yeah. No. Was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there was no. Part one. He, she, was she didn't have a penis. Wanted. Part two. Uh, she was not wanted. Yeah. She mm -hmm. she was not wanted. Um, but I will say that from what I've seen, Henry VIII did start to change the laws a little bit surrounding her because he did love her. He did? Um, yeah, there was there were a lot of reports of him like uh, historians have kind of said like he did start to kind of gear things towards a woman taking over after he died. At, after she was born. He was kind of like, Ugh. I love this little girl. Like, we're gonna, what if I only, what if I don't have what if this a is boy? It? Yeah. And, but that's so early on in his journey. He was really young. Right. Then that's interesting. Again. Still I, a dick. Oh my gosh. For sure. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So, because I thought he sent her away. He really did. Early. Yeah, oh, he sent her away. Not much, early, I don't know how but. Much that no the norm was that for. You he know, got in a big one. fight with the Catholic Church. It took him like 10 years to get divorced from her mother. Like it was a really long mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway. He had to start a new church anyway. to do that. That's, you know. Not this isn't thing. a history podcast, but this is part, part of this. <laughs> we is, are not qualified to investigate history. <laughs> part of the title of this, of course, is Bloody Mary. And, and that's where this name kind of comes from, part of it. Now, the first story we told you was what is kind of believed to be the folklore of Bloody Mary. However, this is where the name comes from. And there are several different origins from where this, this being, the supernatural being can come from. And I really want to kind of prompt everybody for that before we get into the actual ritual or act of, of Bloody Mary, because it's not complicated. And most of you probably know what it is. Maybe not. Do you have any stories of that? I don't even know what you would call it. An ur is it an urban legend? It is a... Yeah. And there have been papers written about it. Okay. Like actual published in scientific journal papers oh. about the folklore lore of it. Um, and these are actually the three stories that are mostly talked about mm -hmm. in those papers. I will tell you that after I tell you the third part of the history or the origins. Thank you. So I've just added part four. You're welcome, everyone. So the third part is called 
the serial killer. In the dark era of the antebellum south, in a secluded cabin nestled in the outskirts of a small town, lived a wealthy woman named Mary Worth. Inherited wealth from her father, a prosperous plantation owner, had granted her comfort and power. But as the cotton industry suffered, Mary found herself drawn to a darker trade, hunting down those brave souls who dared to flee the chains of slavery. When the cotton fails to yield gold, she mumbled to herself, her icy blue eyes reflecting the harsh reality, the hunted becomes the bounty. She sounds the Underground Railroad was a beacon of hope for countless enslaved individuals seeking liberty. Yet the journey was fraught with perils, and among the most fearsome was Mary Worth. Armed with vicious hunting dogs and an uncanny knack for tracking, she was a force to be reckoned with. Word of her cruelty began to spread amongst the slaves. Whispers carried in hushed voices. Mary doesn't just capture the runaway she kills them, a hushed whisper echoed in the quarters. She takes pleasure in our pain. One brave soul, a former slave named Samuel, dared to uncover the truth. Leading a group of determined abolitionists, he ventured into the lair of the beast. The horrors they discovered within Mary's cabin were beyond their wildest nightmares. Human remains, shackles, and personal items of the disappeared. God help us, Samuel gasped, his heart pounding in his chest as he held up a small locket recognizing it as belonging to a fellow escapee. The group barely managed to flee before Mary returned, but not before gathering evidence of her atrocities. They carried this grim truth back to their town, the weight of their discovery heavy in their hearts. In the face of irrefutable evidence, Mary was tried and condemned. As the sentence was passed, a collective shudder ran through the courtroom. Mary Worth! The judge's voice boomed. For the inhumane crimes against those seeking freedom, you are hereby sentenced to hang until death. And so, Mary's reign of terror ended, her death serving as a chilling symbol of the unimaginable horrors endured during the era of slavery. Her story lived on, a grim reminder of a time when human lives were hunted and treated with brutal disdain. Mm, so if you notice, the first story and the last story have many themes in common. An old woman living in a shack, shunned kind of from society, out in the middle of nowhere. Doing terrible things. One, uh, the, yeah, that's right. Both kind of <clears throat> killing, either killing people or or accused of killing. The first one was um, girl girls. Mm -hmm. The last one was uh, slaves trying to flee the Underground Railroad. This is all folklore mm -hmm. of mistrust, I guess. Folklore. Would be the so Mary Worth's story isn't substantiated. They're both both of their no, both of their names that, were now. I was going to um, ask because she sounds. Is, what, that was what year Mary Worth alleged? What era? That would have been. Was it the 18th century or were we I mean, early the 19th? Underground Railroad. So we're, we, that should be so before before the Civil War, right? Yeah, That's yeah, that should be the early 19th century, early 1800s. And what I knew of the first woman serial killer in America is late 1800s. Like out west, right? So um, yeah, that was my first thought. Was like, wow, that's not the first American serial killer woman that I story that I heard. This is from an article from allthatinteresting.com, which I'm sure is a very reputable news source. But either way, I think I have seen kind of threads of this story throughout my research. So I'm going to go with what they're saying here. I'm just going to read it to you verbatim. Okay, that's okay. Elizabeth Bathory 
was very real. A Hungarian noblewoman, she was charged with killing at least 80 girls and young women between 1590 and 1610. Rumors spread that she subjected them to sickening torture, sewing their lips shut, beating them with clubs, and burning them with hot irons. Mm. Allegedly, she either even bathed in their blood in order to maintain a youthful appearance. So another. That's another theme, right? It's another a woman living on the outskirts, a witch, uh, whatever, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. What what I think really sucks about the first story is that it's like this woman who didn't really want to live in the society, but she still needed to live by the settlement, right, Mm -hmm. in order to survive because she couldn't survive. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. You're piecing together so much of what happened to women who were accused of witchcraft. Right. Yeah. Um, she supplied the men and the women yeah. of the town with different herbs that helped mm-hmm. cure hangovers yeah. or helped cure uh, that helped cure a lot of things uh, within the within the town. And she, when when women started disappearing, they of course turned to her because she was the most unholy, quote unquote, of them. Even though it was probably John Smith who was raping and killing women and then burying their bodies, probably near the witch's hut, yeah. quote unquote, witch's hut. Yeah. And and that's what was going on. But anyway. So that's, again, the last story. The first story have a lot in common. The middle story, not so much. Mm-hmm. And yet, this phenomena is called Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. Was Wait, the last story, was that was that another Bloody Mary? Yes, what, origin. Name? What was her name? Like, Mary Worth, the oh, same name. No, no, no. The one you just told. The, the Hungarian Oh, oh, Hungarian was Bathory. Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Bathory. Uh-huh. B-A-T-H-O-R-Y. Yeah, but what's in her name? I mean, is that well documented? That's so early. That is well documented. Okay. The yeah. other two, the first two are the, the first and the third that I told you. It's debatable whether they even existed. Yeah. And those are American stories mm-hmm. versus European. Mm-hmm. That's right. So we have two fairly well documented European stories and two poorly documented American stories. Right. Another thematic element that may come up in things like urban legends. <laughs> mm-hmm. America was the, was the wild, wild west. Uh, yeah. And honestly... That's a really important piece that you and I know just from doing some history, like family history research in the UK. The records are amazing compared yeah, to they really record, are. record keeping in the United States. Yeah. And that under, is understandably a different mentality around around lineage and around immigration that we had. Okay. Mm-hmm. Totally so are you ready to hear a story? Yeah. Bloody Mary. Okay. Yeah. Once upon a time in the small town of Ipswich lived a curious and courageous teenager named Lucy. Lucy had grown up hearing the tales of the ghostly figure known as Bloody Mary. The stories both terrified and intrigued her, so much so that she decided to try the ritual for herself one late summer evening. Lucy waited until her parents were fast asleep before she crept into the bathroom her heart pounding with a mixture of fear and excitement. The house was eerily quiet, the only sound being the creaking of the old wooden floors beneath her feet. Here goes nothing, she whispered to herself, her voice echoing slightly in the cold, tiled room. She stood in front of the mirror, the moonlight filtering through the small window, casting an ethereal glow. Taking a deep breath, she chanted the name Bloody Mary three times, her voice a trembling whisper. Nothing happened. She waited in the silence staring into her own wide eyes reflected in the mirror. But then she felt a sudden chill in the air. It was a cold that seeped into her bones, making her shiver uncontrollably. Slowly, the mirror began to fog over, as if the room was suddenly filled with a cold breath. Lucy's heart pounded in her chest, her eyes wide with fear and anticipation. 
Then the reflection in the mirror started to change. It was no longer her own face staring back at her, but a spectral figure. A woman with hollow eyes and a chilling gaze. Lucy gasped, stepping back in horror. The woman in the mirror moved with her, her ghostly figure mimicking Lucy's every move. <laughs> That's what mirrors do. <laughs> she was pale with dark, shadowy hair, and her eyes bore into Lucy's with an intensity that made her shudder. I am Mary. The figure spoke, her voice echoing around the bathroom. Why have you summoned me? Lucy, summoning up her courage, replied, I wanted to see if the legends were true. And now that you know they are? The ghostly figure asked, her eyes never leaving Lucy's. I... I'm not sure, Lucy stammered, her fear gradually replaced by a strange sense of calm. Be careful what you wish for, child. Bloody Mary responded, her tone almost sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I am <laughs> a fairy godmother, yeah, and I, mean, I will grant you your This wishes. is going pretty well so far, <laughs> it's I gotta not say. That's scary, yeah. Then, as suddenly as she appeared, she vanished, leaving only Lucy's reflection in the mirror. From that night on, Lucy never attempted the ritual again. The encounter had scared her, but it also gave her a new perspective on life. She learned to respect the legends of the unseen, understanding that curiosity can sometimes lead to an unexpected revelation. Hmm. It's a very positive spin. On it is. What's going on here? Uh, so, let me real quick before yeah. before we close that out. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. We're not closing that out. I was going to ask you questions about this woman, young woman from Ipswich. You shouldn't, because this is just a amalgam of all the rituals that teenage girls and boys. By the way, mm -hmm. like I know that everybody's like, oh, teenage girls play this game, blah blah. They want to see their husbands. Like that's like kind of how it started in the 1950s. Oh no. Like that, boys and girls do this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't fucking. That's know. wow. There's way too wow. You yeah. You probably could have brought me down so many different rabbit holes with. Oh what yeah. This is. Oh god. So here's the ritual. The, uh -huh. the last part. The ritual. How to do it. An instruction guide. The Bloody Mary ritual is an urban legend and popular folklore shared among many cultures, particularly in English-speaking countries. While variations exist, the basic ritual usually involves the following steps. Stand in front of a mirror, typically in a dimly lit or completely dark room. Often this is a bathroom as they commonly have mirrors and can be easily darkened. Speak the name Bloody Mary multiple times, typically three. There is an exact number that can vary depending on the versions of the tale. The phrase is often repeated as a chant or invocation. According to the legend, Bloody Mary's ghost is then supposed to appear in the mirror. Depending on the variations of the story, she might be benevolent or malevolent, <laughs> beautiful, or monstrous. The origins of the ritual are not entirely clear. So that's very simple. Yeah. We all know, I think we all know this. This is a, a very Did common, you do it as a kid? Oh yeah. Okay. Very common, I don't want to say rite of passage, it's not the right word, but I it's think, a very I think common. I use that phrase. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's on the short list of things to do in a sleepover. Right. Yeah. Or when you're Mary. bored in an afternoon or a night with friends. Yeah. So with everything you've just heard, let's start with the origin stories. Okay. They're clearly themes. Mm -hmm. All of them have women. Mm -hmm. All of them have women with some kind of power to an extent. Yeah. The first one is a witch. Uh -huh. The second one is a queen. Uh -huh. And the third one is a rich woman. Uh -huh. So we have so, that yeah. whole thing. I don't know if we even need to talk about it. Yeah, talk well, about I, it, it's course, hard but... for me to paint the picture that I guess I was expecting to paint because, as you said, in some versions of the lore, she is not a threat. Like when she appears, 
she can be benevolent, which is not the version of the lore that I was exposed to. Because then thematically, when you look at the position of power and connect it to a malevolent woman, it's women in power or threat. That's one piece of the themes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And granted, uh, Mary the First killed lots of people by mm-hmm. burning them at the stake. Sure. Lots of other things. Mm-hmm. The two other women in the story were burned at the stake. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to like then you're then you're going into witches and the entire oh, yeah. lore of that. That'll be isn't a totally act- different isn't actually yeah, women episode. in power because they don't actually have magical power. That's the reverse of it is they were a threat not because they had magical powers, they were a threat to the structure of society of patriarchy and marriage because they were single women living alone working. That's how, it. How dare they do that? I know. Yeah. Uh, Mary the First was not a single woman. Uh, she actually really loved her husband, from what I read. Yeah. Uh, he was just a dickhead. Again, once again, another asshole. He cheated on her continuously, according to many accounts. She loved him. She really wanted to just have a family. Mm-hmm. By the time she was old enough, or by the time she became queen, she couldn't mm-hmm. have children because of her endometriosis and many other things that were going on. Her stress. Yeah. Who God knows what else. Right? Well, yeah. As far as I know, like part of the painting of the history of her was she is a threat to Queen Elizabeth. She's a a threat to her sister's power. She's a threat to the Protestant church. She also was a threat to a male heir Mm -hmm. being actually entitled to the throne as a female. By all accounts, she really loved her brother and really tried to help him as much as she could. Her little brother. She hated Elizabeth, hated her. For sure. Well, I don't know how much. Yeah, they painted that as an interesting thing because they were both so young. I don't I don't know. Again, I need a good book on this. But and their brother was even younger. Yeah. So, yeah. All this aside. Yeah. All this aside. Well, it's not aside in the fact that, like, why would she be painted as a malevolent? And it has two pieces. It is that she did cause the deaths of and the persecutions of many people. Yeah. And that is a thing that many monarchs in the UK have done, if not all. Right. But that's literally where this whole thing comes from, right? Yeah. You yeah. don't call the Magna Carta the whoever signed that. Edward the First? Who signed that? Oh, God. We don't, don't call know. it the bloody Edward story. Well, and that is another piece to connect to is that if this is, I don't know how common Bloody Mary is as a an urban legend or a practice in the UK as compared to the United States. Do you know that? No. Of like, we're, what we're really talking are about sociocultural historical explanations for an attitude about why this would be scary to do why why but the paranormal question is like has this ever been has people have people ever actually had experiences like this young woman in ipswich (laughs) so i think one of the experiences i read about was really interesting it was a girl who did it said she didn't believe in it all of a sudden saw something in the mirror tried to run out of the bathroom Mm -hmm. tripped and fell and broke her hip in the area where the bullet was said to have hit Mary in the story where the farmer shot her with the silver bullet. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is an elaborate oh, yeah. set of just Things stuff. that happen. Things, coincidences oh, yeah. that happen. So, and this mm. is really tough about this case because we've all done it. Mm-hmm. Some of us have had the experiences. Some of us haven't. Um, I never did. Never had any experience with it. Now, uh, I'm sorry. I never had anything happen when I did the experiences. Yeah. There are lots of things that can happen psychologically where... Did you get scared? Uh, probably. Because yeah, I have probably. to tell you, like, it's so deeply embedded in me that every time you 
started to tell these stories just now, like, and it brought up the the chills, especially when you start to talk about how to do the quote ritual of Bloody Mary and yeah. you go into the room. And I remember viscerally that feeling and how scary it is. And to the point where many people might not even look in the mirror when they go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. It's Ooh, scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, now we have all kinds of horror movies where it's like the mirrors it's such are the a trope. things oh, man. that are doing things. Yeah. And why that is, is probably a combination of the fact that it's scary to see a reflection, to, right. to be to look in mirrors in the dark because it's not clear. And it kind of goes back to the thing we've talked about of when you're looking at a person, but you can't clearly see them. It's very scary and we don't see very well in the dark and we're, we just can't, pers- we cannot accurately perceive what's happening so we perceive threat there are cultures also that believe that mirrors can allow spirits to move between them yeah specifically demons sometimes right so there's this christian belief that uh the demon can see itself in a mirror and you can see the demon in the mirror there's also a chinese uh tradition where uh they use mirrors to ward off demons because the demons can see their own reflection it scares them and they go in the other direction yeah Yeah. so there's lots of Mm -hmm. lots of really cool like kind of folklore there's stories around it that's one this is why you see it in films there's so many different stories around around mirrors then, as I said, it's it's just scary on a even if you don't know any or or lore or legend as a human mm-hmm. is just um, phenomenologically like perceptually scary to see mirrors in the dark and from childhood. And then third in film is very cool and fun to use mirrors. Yeah. It's just a challenge that filmmakers like. OK. Because you, you have to make it so you can't see the camera. So one of the phenomena I, I read about in this whole thing as well is um, if you stare at yourself long enough, you start to see like a disfigurement of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. On that? Yeah. So, I mean, this is like the most a basic connection to like what we call body dysmorphia, yeah. um, where there's a preoccupation with self-image and that people have spent so much time sort of looking at themselves and not in a narcissistic way, but in per- right. particularly in a critical way. Oh. And so they're looking um, and then they're going to start to, but, but even if they're not, perceiving themselves with that with that critical lens when you look at yourself long enough you're gonna it's gonna start to seem distorted because mirrors also are not reality they're flipped images they can have all sorts of um uh, flaws in their design they can be Mm -hmm. warped they can have they can be grainy they can have all um and also our visual processing isn't reality so we're gonna and when you stare at something long enough your eyes get tired there's so many reasons why those things get distorted mm. looking at ourselves. Yeah. So why do we people, why do kids do this? They want to be scared. Yeah. No, it, it, it's like watching a horror movie. Why yeah. do we watch horror yeah. movies, right? We're into it. We, we don't have be to scared. believe it. We yeah. want to have the adrenaline rush, whatever it is. Yeah. You don't have to even think you're going to see something. Um, I think one yeah. one part of this ritual that's definitely more American westernized is the belief that if you say an incantation into a mirror with a uh, with a candle, it will show you your husband. It will show you who you're going to marry. Yeah. I think that's like a thing. So this that this, I that I saw during this this research. Yeah, that sounds like it might. Oh gosh. I wonder if that's more connected to spiritual practices of like it being a spell of another kind, not the spell of, of summoning Bloody Mary, but the spell of summoning your future, like um, some psychic things or some other kinds of belief systems. I don't have no idea. That could be, that sounds like it could be a whole other episode. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. It, it like oh man it's so visceral it just sticks with people for so long and how do these things keep going even when none of us know the origin stories or even look into what they are <laughs> and we don't even know what bloody mary is like the girl from Ip- well Ipswich. i think it's one of those things where you know someone there's one person at the, the camp out or mm-hmm. sleepover or whatever that knows the story because mm-hmm. an older sibling who's done it with them or because mm-hmm. of somebody and so it's perpetuated throughout that Mm-hmm. Right. So you have these people in your life who at the time of your life are are really important. Right. Someone there, an older sibling or someone. Yeah. There there's always kind of... someone there who's telling you the story. Yeah. Right. And you believe them because they're older than you or yeah. they're more experienced than you or whatever it is. Yeah. And and so that's how these stories are kind of perpetuated. Right. And how they're spread throughout history is always word of mouth. There's no written down Although now there probably is like, let's look it up online and see how we're supposed to do it properly, right? There's some kind of ritual that you are supposed to do. But the rituals haven't changed just because the medium has changed. In me telling you what that ritual was, that was me doing research online. So this is still the standard ritual where you say Bloody Mary in the mirror three times. You can be holding a candle. You don't necessarily have to be. Did you have to say it multiple times? Yeah, yeah you've like, got to say it. Yeah. Oh, three times. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's a pretty standard thing. Three, three times. Mm-hmm. Three times. Sometimes you spin around, sometimes you don't. Yeah, we you know. did the spinning around. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's clearly you're getting dizzy. designed to yeah. get you in an altered, an extra altered state. And you're, you know, more likely to see something distorted and your own image in the mirror distorted is going to look weirder, even weirder because right. you're dizzy. Yeah. It's so, so, yeah. There, there's lots of things to go on here when it comes to Western culture or just culture in general. Because mm-hmm. um, this isn't just a Western thing. Yeah. We can point to the lady in white which we haven't really talked about yet, although we have hinted towards, which is a very common theme. I do appreciate what you're pointing out of like the, what what kids do to each other, like is rites of passage, older yeah. kids to younger kids, and all the things we used to do, like there's an egg on your head and the yolks oh, running yeah. down, like crack an egg on your head. All the, the chills. Yeah, the yeah. chills or the levit- the feather. You're as oh, light yeah. as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff yeah. as a board. Yeah, even if you don't oh, have yeah. a Ouija board, all these little things we do because, and I don't think it's just we want to be scared. I do think we have questions at a young age and no one answering them. Sometimes. Questions about physics, questions about that. We don't know that there are questions about physics, but the idea of magic, the idea of the afterlife ideas, and we just we make up stories or we want to hear. We're very susceptible to stories. What is it about putting ourselves in danger? Yeah. So from the, that's, that's. Like we all know that like, if you say her name, she will appear to you. Like yeah. That's, that's the thing right now yeah. in the story I told, she was a very friendly ghost. Yeah. Like that was it. Yeah. But in a lot of these other stories, it's like, no, she will show you how you die mm-hmm. or she will, um, she'll kill you or she'll trip you and you'll break your hip. Like whatever it is, right. So, There's yeah. something, something along those lines. So what's, what, what. Is it is that part of it the 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 danger the the fear what drives us what drives us so this is to me really getting at the adolescent brain the developing brain that starts to become more and more motivated for experience this mm-hmm. is what gets us to go from childhood where we're very much attached to our parents and we need their safety and security to then become more independent by this rush of the dopamine pathways in our brain saying go out and experience things mm-hmm. and that we have to have then some thrill in the unknown because if we were just afraid of everything that could potentially hurt us then we wouldn't leave 
we wouldn't develop, we wouldn't grow, we couldn't leave our home and become independent people. Yeah. So that's the adolescent brain is wired for experience. We go out and do okay. things. And and then when we're bored and we can't go out because we well, you have to sleep over with your friends, but you have to stay home, right? <laughs> so our parents want to keep protecting us even into our adolescence, then we're going to find other ways to seek thrills and experience new experiences. We should just all be allowed to go down to the bodega and do cocaine. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, You're not going to get me on tape advocating for for cocaine use in my adolescence. No, don't wire your brain for dopamine addiction. Yeah. So I think that that's pretty clear why we do these things. Yeah. And we think about it developmentally, but the content of those things is a little more like, why are, why are we so apt to do something that has no clear, like historical social ritual is like, we don't even know why we're doing it or who Bloody Mary is. We just do it. You'll probably notice themes of, um, spells or, uh, what, what, we might see as like the occult rituals when the layperson who actually has no practice in these things as actual religion or their day-to-day spiritual life, they're very brief. Mm. So think about like Harry Potter. It's pretty easy to do magic in the universe of Harry Potter. You just gotta think about it. You just bibbity bobbity boo. Like you say a few words. That's clearly not Harry Potter a <laughs> Harry Potter spell, but oh boy, Specto Patronum. You just need to learn some like hacked up lat sounding things. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, there's probably a whole lot of there on things in threes. Yeah. Sorry if I don't have, I have an answer to that. No, it's okay. It. I don't know all the answers. What, then what are we doing here? <laughs> Why are we even talking What right do you now? think? Um, well, threes are always like kind of an important, like things of threes are always an important number, right? Mm-hmm. So there are 12 apostles. There are, um, oh, uh, derivatives of three or yeah, multiples of three. Or multiples. Or... Like, numerology, like that's always okay. kind of a big thing, like that, that mm-hmm. we count. Knock in, three times. Knock three times. See, you know. I don't know why though. Right. I would just go back to. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like there's so many yeah. things that are three. In our in in religion, not just in Christian religion, although that's the only example I gave. Uh, there are just a lot of things that that happen in threes. And three is a number of power. I think is is what a lot of people believe. Mm-hmm. And and in that might have come from our ancestors who were like, when you're hunting a fucking woolly mammoth, and you just have one person, you're fucked. If you have two people, one of you is fucked. If you have three people though, one of you can come from one side, one of you can come from the other side, and one of you can come from underneath. And you can kill the thing. Strategy. Yeah. Mm. I also, I think from a, like a langu- linguistic or language perspective, you say something once, you might just be like off the cuff, mm. ba- babbling. Yeah. You say something twice, you're maybe perseverative and maybe you mm-hmm. didn't mean to say it. Like you're kind of stuttering maybe. So like babbling, stuttering, then yeah. you say something three times, there's an intention. Okay. So if you say something once, it's just you saying it once. If you say something twice, you might just be repeating yourself for the sake of repeating yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you say something a third time, then you're you're trying to drive it home. Yeah. So if you say something once, then you're just saying it because you're saying it. If you say something twice, then... <laughs> I see what you're doing here. Hey-o. That was the third time. Oh. And then it starts to become like, yeah, clearly you're repeating yourself. And now I'm not repeating myself, <laughs> so you'll never remember it. Oh, no. Uh, no, that yeah. Well, and just a good good way to tell a good story or write a good essay is here's the intro, here's what I'm going to tell you, the body, mm-hmm. here's what I'm telling you, and the conclusion, here's what I told you. Five paragraph essay format. That's it. What's the magic number of five? No, no, no. Um, well, it's the pa- number of paragraphs. No, 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 it doesn't I really know. matter, but it's three parts. Three you parts. love parts, three parts. 
You I add do. a fourth part and you're like, hey, it's hanging. What do you do? Yeah. Now you've had five parts? I don't know where to go with this whole thing that we're talking about now <laughs> that we have a fifth part. What am I going to say? I'm, no, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah, no, there is there is something in three where it, it definitely adds. And I know that's like, what is it? What's the adage? Uh, third time is a pattern. Like the first yeah. time is, is happenstance. Mm-hmm. The second time is uh, coincidence. coincidence. The third time is a habit mm-hmm. or, pattern. or pattern. Yeah, same uh, thing. Yeah, really interesting uh, take on that. There and we so go. when you now say it the third time to the cognitive linguistic psychological explanation of the power of three. There you go. And yeah. so when we talk about Bloody Mary and someone has to say their name three times, it's just like if Bloody Mary is a sleeping spirit somewhere and someone says their name once, then Bloody Mary is going to be like, uh, I don't know, they just said it once. Mm-hmm. Twice they're like, oh, well, they might have said it twice because they were talking about me. Third time it's like, no, 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 they're trying to sum yeah. so I'm going to show up. In mirrors, in bathrooms. In mirrors. And I'm just waiting around for that to happen. And if and here we go to the criticism of her being any of these people. Mary Queen of Scots ain't got time for your bullshit. She don't got time for nothing. Yeah, come on. And then the first is just a random witch story that at any point now people should recognize the history of American... Well, she cursed them. I don't blame her for doing it, but she did. Yeah, but that is the trope of, like, every witch trial in Salem that she cursed the entire town. If someone's burning you at the stake, would you curse them? You, you already said it's very unlikely. You alluded to the fact that it's very unlikely that people would speak anything discernible while being burned at the stake if their lungs oh, and their vocal cords yeah. are on unf- are burning very little will be discerned of what they're saying maybe she was saying like stop burning me and they were yeah. like i heard that she cursed, she cursed us. us because maybe we feel a little guilty for oh, killing someone in yeah. public yeah not good things to do mm. yeah okay. it's gonna sit with you for a little while and maybe your whole society and your whole culture will have a deep-seated shame for how poorly you treated certain people oh no yeah <laughs> What do I do? What do we do while we create these? And then, so I think I think we're summing it up with that. Like the themes here are the lore of um, the lore, not lore. Those two different words. The draw of lure, lure of doing thrill-seeking things when you're an adolescent, and that some of those things may be rooted in your culture as uh, implicitly and explicitly misogynistic. And then a mic drop. Boom. Boom. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, that's three times. Everybody should be gone by now. If not, uh, thank you all for listening in this week. Uh, again, sorry for the audio quality. I just, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> I say it three times, it must be true. This is the power of three. This is our podcast get more powerful when we repeat things three times. I guess so. I guess so. I guess, I guess so. No, okay. So. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I'll stop doing that. Anyway, thank you all for listening in. Uh, if you do have any stories that you want us to talk about or have any comments on our current subject, please email them into stories at paranormaloutsiders.com and we will respond. Thanks for listening. Bye.